Hello everybody, Dr. F. Scott Field here, and I'd like to introduce you to our newest sponsor. The NPTE Final Frontier is the review course that I wish was around when I took the board exam. For those of you who know my story, it took me a handful of times to pass that exam, and quite frankly, I really wish I had an, a, an exam review course around, just like the NPTE Final Frontier. Check out their website, NPTEFF.com, and use the code HET at checkout for 10% off to all of our listeners and fans. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. F. Scott Field. I've got with us a very special guest today, new social media manager, one of our, our newest interns, Frankie Kaspar, who is also a physical therapy student and had some big news over the last few days. So we're going to go into all that. We're going to dive into that. But uh, Frankie, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your academic journey and how it's led you to where you are today. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. We so much so that. that I wanted to join the team. Yeah, we're um, glad to have you. Yeah. So I am at DeSales University in the doctor of physical therapy program. I am a third year student. Um, I spent the my undergraduate phase of the program here as well. I, I enrolled in the three plus three year health science accelerated DPT track right out of high school. So I did a lot of shadowing experiences in high school. I was fortunate enough to kind of know the direction I wanted at uh, 18 years old. So that landed me here, which which has been incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. A, there's not that many of those programs around. Uh, B, I vaguely remember in high school, there was a uh, football player that I was on the team with who did a similar thing uh, somewhere up in Ohio, I believe, for med school. It was an accelerated, like a three plus three med school uh, thing. So, uh, you know, it's cool because you kind of chop off one of the years, which is nice. Exactly. Um, you know, and... <sighs> The model is changing every year, it seems, for physical therapy school. You know, it's a bachelor's, it's a master's, it's a doctorate, it's a three-year doctorate, it's a two-year doctorate, you know, it's it's all over the map. So um, again, I think it's a it's a neat opportunity. And the the benefit there was that you knew that early on that that's what you wanted to do. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do till I was a senior in college. So uh kudos to you, you know, and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. So <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. How did you know that early on that you wanted to do physical therapy? How, how did you know that was a thing? So it definitely stemmed from my big sister. She's six years older than me, and she went the occupational therapy route. So I started learning about all the, all the healthcare professions as she started doing her research and diving through um, her own kind of collegiate research. Um, so then for me... I kind of did my own version of the research when I was getting into it. So I did a lot of shadowing hours, which solidified it. I was an athlete my whole life. So I've been in an outpatient clinic quite a few times. So I understood what, it, what that dynamic was like. Um, and I knew that math and science was my strong suit. But what led me directly to PT specifically was the patient interaction. I, I knew it was the healthcare profession that had the most patient professional contact. So you were getting the most hours with the patient. And, and that's, that's what I loved. I love the relation, the relationship building aspect of it. 
Yeah, I feel like physical therapists, I mean, A, we really excel at soft skills, if you want to call them that, uh, bedside manner, um, emotional intelligence, right? Um, EQ is what you know they call it. It's just a natural thing. If you're a people person, physical therapy is a pretty good field for you, you know? Uh, now, that's not a blanket statement. That's not true for everybody. Some people are introverts and, you know, don't really like touching people and aren't very conversational. And yet they become physical therapists and, and you know, figure out a way to do just fine. Um, it's different strokes for different folks. But for the most part, I would say a good majority of physical therapists are just really good people. You know, they're people, people. Right. So it's a good fit. It's a good field. It's a good profession. I love the uh, communication aspect because I was not a math and science guy. Not that I was bad at it. I just wasn't great. I was an English creative writing, reading, that kind of thing. Uh, but I was a good communicator. And I think that led me to uh, probably get into PT school, to be honest with you, because I didn't have great grades. But I think it was a, a, something different that stood out being an English major, you know. Um, so that was cool. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about and now you're coming towards the end of that three-year journey for, for PT school. You're getting ready to go out and do some clinicals. You're getting ready to wrap things up and take this board exam. But in the meantime, you recently just got a poster accepted at CSM. Tell us about that process. Yeah, so very exciting stuff. Um, in DeSales DPT program, we are afforded the option within the research track that began the end of our first year we were afforded the option to either take the research track and do a faculty mentored research project that the faculty themselves were working on. So you would work with them on their respective projects, or you can take the case study route. And the reason behind that was they understood that not everybody was into, into research. They, they weren't going to do it out, outside of school. So they weren't going to force us down a track we didn't want. Um, now, I did opt for the case report route. We were able to pick orthopedic-focused, neuro-focused, um, pediatric wound care-focused. So I picked case, case study track, and I worked with my faculty mentor, Dr. Stephen Kerha, um, and he helped me kind of from ground zero of what the heck is a case report to a finished product on a real patient case of, of a man who I treated in our neuro pro bono clinic, which was awesome. Um, some students were doing case reports on faculties, patients who they never actually met or treated, but I had the incredible opportunity to do it on a patient I, I treated in the clinic, which was awesome. So I was working with Dr. Karaha to kind of nitpick, okay, what is a case report? Understand what it's like. What is doing a literature review? What does that entail? How's the format of a case report? What does it even look like? How to academically write? It's an entirely different animal. How to analyze scholarly articles. So we kind of spent, I would say, a year and a half. We did a practice case. We, um, well, a couple practice cases. I did a finished product of one patient who I treated in ortho pro, pro bono experience. Um, and that was a really good, really good track for me to kind of understand what it was like to go through all of the steps, but with close faculty supervision. And then our neuro pro bono experience came along. I knew the second that we were in the clinic that that was the patient I was going to 
going to report on. And then I was ready for the real deal. That's awesome. Yeah. What a cool experience. You know, I mean, I thought I'd be a great writer because I was an English major, right? But scientific writing is a completely different piece. And I've talked about it on the show several times. I am not a great academic writer. I'm not a good scientific writer. It is it is a whole nother language. And it took me a good year to learn that during my dissertation. And what an awful time to have to learn that. Uh, I wish, you know, I had known more about it beforehand, but kind of got in waist deep and had, you know, sink or swim. So, um, but yeah, that's that, you know, not everybody has that experience and that opportunity, even some, you know, some schools don't even have the pro bono clinic. Uh, we have one, uh, call it one and a half uh, at St. Augustine. We're working on more. We have a couple campuses. So it's uh, some campuses do, some campuses don't. Uh, at Austin, we have one, uh, mostly pediatric, but we're trying to expand on that a little bit. Um, I think it's a great opportunity because it gets you hands-on experience. It gets you almost like pre-clinical rotation experience, like you know, experiential learning for me was the best. I learned the best on my clinicals. Um, you know, my dissertation was on service-based learning. I like getting out into the community and just trying to learn there. That's where I learned best, I think. Uh, I don't know why that is. It just, it, you know, it resonates more with me when I see it in real life and I can get my hands dirty. So I, I think it's a great experience. But now let's let's talk about the next step now. You've put together this poster, right? And, and then had to go and submit it and then got it accepted at CSM. So what was that like as a student? That's not something people just wake up in the morning and like, hey, I'm going to create a poster and do this research and then submit it for some big conference. Like, take us through that process. Yeah, I had no idea what was going on, um, but I read a lot. I have been to um, previous DeSales DPT research symposiums we put them on through the program. Um, so I understood what a final finished product was supposed to look like. And I recall um, people in the program years above me, emails were sent out congratulating them on getting accepted to move PA, which is our state physical therapy conference and CSM. So um, I started looking into that and I am the for DeSales DPT, I'm the APTA student liaison. So through that experience, I've understood what these conferences entail, what they look like, um, the prestige of, of going and presenting and networking. Um, so all of that became really alluring to me. So the submission process was interesting. I, I had this final product well, not even yet at the point. I, I had a case at least. That that was a small win for me is I, I was struggling to find something that I'd be passionate enough about to put in all of this work to, to make a finished product. And fortunately, this uh, incredible patient through Neuro Pro Bono, I was assigned to him and it just landed in my lap, a patient diagnosed with Lance Adams syndrome which is a rare neurologic syndrome following cardiac arrest. And there are less than 200 patient cases reported in the literature since it was first found in 1963. So it's just kind of insane that I was assigned to this patient and it just landed in my lap. Um, so researching the, the syndrome was absolutely fascinating. I picked that officially as my case. 
Um, we treated him in the clinic for eight weeks. And then I had an idea because I was the one treating him. It made the, the case description easy, the, the actual intervention plan easy because I was the one doing it. Um, the, the most time consuming part was the literature review and truthfully how I wanted to analyze it and kind of formulating that discussion section is, is why, for, for what, what's the purpose of this? Um, so I did pull together an abstract, but I knew that's what I wanted. I knew I wanted to submit to these conferences. So the abstract was actually the first thing I, I made when I was going through my literature review. Um, which is kind of kind of backwards because I had to think about those things before I even knew the outcomes, which was tricky on my end, having to figure out everything that was going on and understanding what the submission process was like. But I was doing my literature literature review, gathered my sources, put put together an abstract, and I submitted it. Dr. Karaha was with me the with me along for the ride and he supported me. So I was like, what do I have to lose? I might as well submit to them. And I got accepted to both, which, which is awesome. That is awesome. That I, I hope this will be an inspiration for students in our audience. I hope that, you know, they'll, they'll learn from this and they'll hear your experience and say, Hey, I, I want to do that. I can do that. Like, you know, this, this is, this is an opportunity to, to do more and to be more. Right. And, and that's kind of what, what I preach for my students is like, you can be a nine to five clock in clock out physical therapist and, and have like a fine career. That's not a problem. But like, if we're going to have a bigger impact, if we're going to push the needle forward, if we're going to push the profession forward, you personally need to take it upon yourself to strive to do more and to be more right to take action. And I think, you know, if people realize that, like, a I mean, I kind of enjoy some of this stuff, right? Like you said, I enjoy presenting at conferences and networking and hanging out afterwards and going to the bars and, you know, talking shop with brilliant minds. And you know, it's just right. that, that to me is like the fun part, you know, uh, patient care is great. I love it. You know, I love treating patients and stuff, but there's just so much other things out there for physical therapists that, you know, we, we really need to to find them. We need to go out and we need to take action. And if you take action, that'll lead to big results, right? Like getting accepted to, to present at conferences, right? So you've done these posters. Now you've got them all submitted. You get accepted. You're going to go to these conferences and present, right? As a student, which is great. I mean, again, it can be done. It should be done, right? Students are doing great things out there. I hope that, again, this will push more students to want to do presentations, poster presentations, you know, get out and be active in conferences, right? What do you plan to do now that you've got this, this research, you've got this poster, right? You're going to present it. This is a really sweet opportunity and, a, and an awesome platform to, to then propel you to the next thing. So what do you see as, as the building blocks to, to add on top of this, to start your career and really propel things? So first of all, I'd like to get this published. I think I want to go through the steps of what that will look like. Again, foreign process to me, but just as this was, I, I kind of hope to to run through the steps and and learn now. I mean, I'm yeah. 23 years old and I'm in my final year of DPT school. What better time than now, I guess? Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, second thing, I think I'm going 
to get addicted to the idea of going to conferences, presenting, networking, like you said. Um, I'm a bit of a pe- people person myself, so I think I'm going to love the atmosphere. I, I hope to go back every year. I- ideally, I would love to get a platform at CSM. I love presenting. I think it's one of my strengths, and I I would love to have a platform presentation at CSM. So I don't. I certainly don't think this is my last time throwing something together to apply to a conference. I I hope this is the first of a yearly occasion for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I do want to preface this by just saying I applied to speak at CSM for approximately seven years before I got my first uh, speaking engagement. Uh, so there's a lot of talk and we've done an episode on this recently with uh, uh, Kaylee Brockway, Dr. Kaylee Brockway, who helps uh, in the geriatric section uh, select some of the programming and the people that are going to speak at CSM, et cetera. It's not easy. Okay. Again, I'm living proof. I had seven years worth of failed attempts. uh, And now I've presented uh, at PPS uh, two years ago, CSM last year or this year. And then I'm presenting again at CSM uh, coming up. I just presented at the Arkansas um, state uh, conference. So, you know, you got to put yourself out there. You got to try you've got to, again, just take action, right? And you cannot be let down by the rejection. It's going to come. I promise it's going to come a lot. You just got to keep dusting yourself off and getting back up, you know, connecting yourself with the right people, working on cool and innovative projects. And eventually, you know, the acceptances will start coming, you know? So um, it's a worthy cause. I think it'll, it'll definitely um, help for your career. It's a nice little feather in the cap for sure. Um, presenting at national conferences and state conferences can, can kind of help you if you're into tenure track or a promotion track, right. In, in academia, that's one of the things they want you to do is, you know, uh, kind of craft up, uh, products uh, educational products or papers, uh, publications, right. And then presentations, they want to get their name out there as well. Like, hey, our professors are doing all these neat things, you know, come check us out. So, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunity there. And, and I say this just so that, you know, people know it's it's not always as easy as you make it seem. Uh, you know, you 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 seem to uh, have a natural uh, knack for for this stuff and just, you know, a passion about it that just kind of led you down the right paths and you, you knocked it out of the park. Uh, it's like that rookie that hits a home run on their first at bat, you know, big things are expected now, though. That's the only thing, right? You've got to follow it up now. So you've got that to look forward to. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited for you. I, again, I think this is great for students to hear. Hopefully it'll inspire them a little bit. What do you see? And again, you you haven't even started your career yet. So what do you see coming down the pipeline for you? What is What are some of the things goal-wise or or setting-wise or you know, areas of interest? What are some things that you want to look into in the future? Where do you see yourself five, 10 years down the line? Though I might have known at 18 that PT was the route, now is where I'm seeing some some lack of clarity. Uh, I know that I really am interested in neuro. I know that I'm especially interested in vestibular rehab. I'm actually in a vestibular special topics course right now through uh, through school, which has been incredible. I've been reading a lot about doing a residency. I've now been reading about travel PT. Um, I, I'm I see myself in outpatient. 
clinically treating. I, I like the outpatient. I like the fast pace. I like the relationship building aspect of it. Um, I see myself treating for a couple years to get the to get um, the experience, hoping for a board certification in in neuro. I certainly what I'm certain about at this point in time is ending in academia or or being in academia at some point in my route, whether I start as a as an open lab instructor and move to an adjunct and then eventually I'm a full time position. I I'm intrigued and certainly interested in an academia setting. Well, I I think that you're again one of those people that uh, anything you want to do, you put your mind to, you'll get it done. So I have no doubt about that. I think this poster acceptance is, you know, a, a, a great sign of of what you're capable of and what's to come. Um, I will say this, the cool thing about physical therapy is if you don't like one medium or avenue, you can change and go a different direction. There's a ton of different opportunities out there. Um, travel's a great way to kind of dip your toes in a bunch of them and taste test a couple, see what you like and what you don't like. Uh, plus it pays pretty well. So that's neat. Uh, if you're still out there kind of looking to explore and try different things, um, but yeah, and, and the cool thing is you could become certified, you know, board certified in neuro. And then a year or two later, sit for the orthopedic certified specialty exam, right? Or a year or yeah. two later, sports or whatever. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of different letters out there that you can pursue for sure. And it's, you know, it's all to me in the preparation and the, you know, the time you take to study and, and be a better clinician and practitioner of those things. Uh, the letters at the end are nice. Um, but I think just putting in the time and the reps and being interested in pursuing that lifelong learner path, uh, that really helps become a better, more well-rounded clinician, you know, okay. and eventually academician. Um, it's also nice if you can kind of keep one foot in the boat of clinical work and one foot in academia. I've yes. kind of tried to do that with my my mobile cash pay business just because I like to keep my hands, you know, active and, and you know, keep treating people and, you right. know, let, let my classes and my students know what what it is I'm seeing, you know, out there and keeping my finger on the pulse and you know, it, it, I think it's helpful because, there, you know, we talk a lot about the disconnect between the ivory tower of academia and then the, the clinical world. And, and we're trying to merge those and bring those closer together. And so, if, you know, you have professors that are maybe not treating for many years. You know, it's hard to, to grasp and understand a lot of what's going on in the clinic, especially if the research is, you know, 10 years to get to the clinic. Like, People may be doing great research, but we got to do a better job getting it out quicker to the clinics and, and stuff so they people can try stuff, right? Clinicians need to implement and try stuff. So, well, Frankie, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I, I'm excited to have you on the team. And, and like I said, I can't wait to, to see your poster at CSM. We ask one final question to all of our guests. And that question is, if you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be DPT or otherwise, what aspect would you change? Why would you change it? And how would you change it? So I look forward to this question every time I listen to the podcast, every time I listen to a new episode. Um, and I've heard some interesting answers. I like the folks who kind of stray from stray from the majority answer. But as a student, I'm going to have to give you the answer of student debt. I just have to. It's the thing I can attest to as a student. Um, can't really attest to variability, variability in practice yet. I, I can't really attest to to other hot ticket answers, but 
I would say the student debt. I mean, I see it in the classroom every day, talking to my peers. Um, it, it prevents options in the future for a lot of students. It's kind of the primary goal in, in my classroom is get out and start making money to pay off the loans. And that impedes people. It, it may impede students from, from taking on a residency. It may impede students from traveling somewhere else and trying something new. Um, I, I think that aspect of it is, is limiting and it's overwhelming. I mean, the, the transition to the doctorate, we didn't see the, the same rise in reimbursement that we saw in the extreme rise of tuition. Yeah, and that's why it's the number one most given answer. That's why, yeah. you know, I end up writing the book, right? PT Educator Student Debt Eliminator, because it's it was right. the, I almost felt obligated, right? Here I am sitting on a podcast where the number one most given answer is student loan debt. And I'm like, oh, man, how am I going to affect that? And I was like, wait a minute, I have student loan debt. I'm paying it off with side hustles and side gigs. I probably need to tell people what I'm doing. So hopefully somebody can benefit from it and, you know, help get out of it quicker or pay their student loans quicker. Because like you said, it's going to affect decisions like, can I buy a house? Can I buy a car? Should we start a family now? Should we wait? Should we get married now? Should I wait a little longer? Like, you know, these are life decisions that are being affected based on a degree that was kind of hastily put together without a plan of how to reimburse at the same level that it's costing to get. So right. like, you know, again, and we've been hearing this a lot lately, it's it's kind of growing some momentum behind it. But until we start getting looked at as primary care practitioners, we're not going to get reimbursed at the level that we need to. So that I think needs to be next on the docket and the, and the next thing we need to attack, uh, which will then help trickle down to the student loan debt crisis. So exactly. Well, I appreciate your time and for coming on. And, and like I said, we're excited to have you on the team and, and, and see what you guys have to offer and what you're cooking up. But uh, where can people find you? Where can they reach out to you on social media and uh, on all the interwebs if they want to go look you up and see what you're up to and catch you at CSM? Yes. Yeah, so I'm on most things. I'm professionally pretty active on LinkedIn, uh, Francesca Casper. On some of my social media, you might see me as Frankie Casper. That's what I go by. Well, LinkedIn is a is a great way to kind of connect with me, no pun intended. And I'm on I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, but you might see some of my more professional professional realms on on LinkedIn. Awesome. We'll drop all those links in the show notes so people can find you easily. Frankie, thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. It's been a great, great ride. I love I love what you're up to, and I can't wait to see what comes down the pipeline for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on my favorite podcast. <laughs> Not a problem.